into my mind a couple minutes ago. And I used to say it when I woke up. And it starts, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes things happen that challenge that rejoicing ability, but the word doesn't change, does it? Amen. <clears throat> Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson decided to go on a camping trip. They set up their tent and fell asleep. Some hours later, Holmes woke up his faithful friend. Watson, look up in the sky and tell me what you see. <clears throat> Watson replied, I see millions of stars. What does that tell you, asked Holmes. Watson pondered for a minute. Astronomically speaking, it tells me there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, it tells me Saturn is in Leo. Aherologically, it appears to be approximately quarter past three in the morning. Theologically, it's evident the Lord is all-powerful and we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, it seems we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. There, then after a pause, Watson said, well, Holmes, what does it tell you? Holmes was silent for a minute, and then he said, Watson, someone has taken our tent. <laughs> and I, I was thinking about that. It actually ties in with one of my message points, but someone has taken our tent. And now we can see the entire glory of God portrayed because what Gary has taught us, we now get to put into practice. We now get to see, we now get to move, we now get to watch the seeds that he has planted grow. So I think that's a, a good word. It was free, but good anyway. <clears throat> I wanna read out of Mark chapter four this morning. It's still morning, right? Close, okay. Mark chapter four, I'm gonna read verses 33 to 40. Um, this is the story of Jesus. It's also found in Matthew and in Luke, but I wanna read Mark's. It says, he was speaking the word to them with many parables like these. And you have to read the previous 32 verses to see what that is all about. As they were able to understand, he did not speak to them without a parable. However, privately, he explained everything to his disciples. On that day, when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along, since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. 
the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life it brings. I thank you for the comfort it brings. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Michelle mentioned this morning, Israel is at war. Our nation is facing the possibility of another government shutdown. The border is still porous. List goes on and on. Indeed, we also have struggles that we are facing. It can be overwhelming, can't it? Robert Louis Stevenson tells of a, of a story of a storm that caught a vessel off a rocky coast and threatened to drive it and its passengers into the coast, destroying them. In the midst of the terror, one daring man, contrary to orders, went to the deck, made a dangerous passage to the pilot house, and saw the steerman at his post, holding the wheel unwaveringly, an inch by inch, turning the ship out once more to sea. The pilot saw the watcher and smiled. Then the daring passenger went below and gave out a note of cheer. I have seen the face of the pilot and he smiled. All is well. And that's where I want us to be this morning. I have seen the face of the pilot and all is well. All is well. I want to I, I picked this story specifically because I, I like stories where Jesus does off-the-wall things, okay? I know it doesn't happen often, but Jesus did off-the-wall things once in a while. And, and if we can see them and recognize them, then it's okay. So let's look at the storm. In verse 37, it says, A storm, great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied the Sea of Galilee and how it gets its storms. I did a little research this morning. The Sea of Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level. And it generally gets its storms from the east, the west, and the south. The most dangerous storms come from the east. Because what happens is, is the Sea of Galilee is in a bowl. And on the Golan Heights, it rises up to about 2,500 feet above sea level, so 3,200 foot elevation. You have all these wadis and everything that when gusts of wind come, they magnify through those wadis and blow across the sea. But on the east, when it comes from the east, the winds are coming from the Mediterranean. And those winds are cooler than the, than the temperature in that valley where the Sea of Galilee is. So when those winds top those hills at 1,500 square feet, what happens to cold air? It drops. And as it comes over and it drops, it pushes that warm air out. And it's very quick and very sudden. And it can produce large waves. In fact, the, I was looking at pictures of waves that were looked like the coast of the Atlantic during a hurricane, just coming up that high on the Sea of Galilee. So we have to understand that the fishermen knew about this 
phenomenon, but when they left, when Jesus got in the boat, let's go to the other side. I mean, I've been doing a lot of miracles and healing people and teaching people, and we need a rest. So he gets in the boat, and they go across. And I'm going to do one real quick rabbit trail. It's a one-sentence rabbit trail because I never noticed this until I read it. There were other boats with him. I'm just saying. I don't know what it means. I'm just saying I noticed it, so there it is. There were other boats with him. But he was focused on one boat. And that boat, those boats were about 25 feet long, 7 to 8 feet wide. And depending on how they were built, they were 3 to 4 feet deep. And they would have one plank in the middle. They could put a sail up. And then it had a deck up front and a deck in the back so that they could stand and throw their nets over the sea and do their fishing unobstructed. So you've got a 25-foot boat. That's less than the length of this uh, sanctuary, and definitely about, no, oh, maybe this wide. So this wind comes up, and these waves start coming. And it says here that the boat was swamped. Now, if you're a fisherman, and you get stuck in a storm, and you're taking on water, what's the first thing you do? You try to bail it out, right? Uh, if the water comes in faster than you're bailing it out, you start sinking, right? So you get to a point where you're going, I, I can't get this. It's too high. It's too much. And then they run to Jesus, who's doing what? Sleeping. I don't know. Have you ever been on a boat in turbulent weather? I would find it hard to sleep, personally. <clears throat> but he was in the back, just sleeping away. You know, not a care in the world. And the people come back, and I, I think about what they said to Jesus. Because how often do we say things to Jesus, and then we go, did I just say that out loud? Was I really saying that? What did they say? Save us. Don't you care that we're going to die? Think about that. Don't you care, Jesus? And that brings up to me the questions of the ages. Does Jesus care? Does he care? I believe the answer is yes. I, I see many scriptures that shows he cares. I think one of the last sermons I spoke on, I talked about his compassion, how he felt and was moved and, and acted based on his love and compassion for people who were hurting. So yes, he cares, but we have to understand how he interacts with us to really know how to answer this question that the disciples asked. Don't you care that we're going to die? First of all, who said they were going to die? You know, who did Jesus say they were going to die? No, they just were seasoned fishermen who knew the sea and knew that water was coming in faster than water was going out and the waves were big and it didn't look like they were stopping and Circumstances said, we're stuck. We're doomed. Doomed. 
There was an old movie where they said that. We're doomed. Yeah, it's an old movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't say that in the current movies, but this one was G-rated, and that today would probably be R. But they're, they're at the end of their rope, and they finally call out Jesus, and Jesus stands up, and what does he do? Peace, be still. And what happens? Whew. Calm. Calm. Right? And then he turns to his disciples. But before I get to what he said to the disciples, I want to just share a couple scriptures about how Jesus cares. First one is Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus has come to me, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? He doesn't qualify what weary and heavy laden looks like. He just says, come to me and I will give you rest. That tells me that whatever is wearying us or making us heavy laden is important to Jesus because he wants to receive it. Many times when you talk to people who are, who are grieving, you don't even need to talk. You just need to come to them and be there. I read a story of a, of a young girl who lost her friend, passed away, and one day she went over to her friend's mother's house. And when she went home, her mom said, what'd you go over there for? And the little girl said, to comfort mom. And the, the mom said, what could you have possibly done to comfort her? And the little girl said, I sat on her lap and we cried together. Comfort, I cared. They both were suffering loss and they both were able to share it. Jesus cares that way, probably even better. You know, because any illustration I use is really short of the, of the care and concern that Jesus has. But come to me. I will give you rest. Come to me. You know, sometimes we carry things around really, really deep in our hearts. And it, it just happens to pop out once in a while. And then we shove it back down because we think no one understands or no one cares. But we say, come to me and I will give you rest. Then the second verse is Matthew 19, 29 to 31. And he says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? I know I preached on this before because there was a book I, I received. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And in verse 31 he says, you're worth far more than sparrows. So if, if the creator of the universe is assigning value to a one-ounce bird, how much more does he value you and, and come to you? This is the Jesus we come to. This is the Jesus we bring our weariness to. And then the last one is uh, 1 John 5.14, where he says, if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. He hears us. 
Now there is a qualification in this statement, is that's if we ask anything according to his will. So we have to understand what his will is in order that we can ask and know that he hears us. But again, it ties right back into, come to me all you who are labor weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. If I come to him and, and cry out to him, he hears, he hears. And this is the God, the Jesus, that the disciples woke up and said, don't you care that we're gonna die? Apparently they did not understand that Jesus had a purpose for being where he was, when he was, and dying was not part of that purpose, at least not then. His time would come. But Jesus was confident in what he was there to do and the Father who sent him, so he wasn't worried. The disciples who lived on that lake and knew it back, backward and forward, they're saying, man, we can't get out of this one. You know, and, and again, if I rabbit trail, nothing else is said of those other boats. I don't know why. They were there and then they're not. Maybe the wind blew them away. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there. So, you know, there is an adage, and I think Cheryl mentioned it, is sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. And I believe what will happen is we get so wrapped up in the things that are right in front of us that we forget that there's a bigger picture. I mean, what you said was so good, Cheryl. When a tree falls, it, it creates light that now en enables younger trees to grow. If you have ever been to the old forest in Oregon, they very rarely catch on fire because the canopy is so thick thick and the trees are so high before the branches and there's there's not any undergrowth doesn't grow because it doesn't get any sun so the uh, fire that comes through it just goes whoosh, and it's gone now, and that's but when a tree falls now there's light that comes in and whatever's there can now start to grow again and that's how it replenishes itself uh, so we we have to realize that sometimes we get caught up in this. This is where we are. And many times this is what's making us weary and heavy laden. And we can't see the forest because we're worried about this. And God is saying, let go, because there's bigger, I have bigger for you. Let go of that and let me give you rest. And we, of course, know, and Michelle alluded to this, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't. No matter what we see, no matter what we hear, we're not wrestling against this, not the Hawaiian shirt. This. Get my floppy skin here. We're not wrestling against that. We're wrestling against principalities and powers and rulers in high places. It's a different struggle. It's a different battle. But if our weariness is set right here, we're not going to be able to see to fight there. And now God is calling us to come together and fight a battle and, and move forward because Jesus wants to move forward. And we're going to 
follow in what Gary has started. We're going to finish it. So Jesus made a reply to them. What did he say? Why are you afraid? Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus a fisherman? What was his trade before he started his ministry? He was a carpenter. He worked with wood and stone, right? How many of you know wood floats, stone sinks? That's just, right? But when you put wood together and make a little arc out of it, it floats. And, and you can sit in it, and you can catch fish, right? But when that, water, that boat starts filling up, it sinks. If you don't believe that, just take a bowl at your house, put it in a pot of water, and it'll float until you tip it and put some water in it, and it goes plop. The fishermen knew what the boat would do if it continued the way it was. Jesus didn't, or did he? He knew. He knew. But the disciples didn't know that Jesus knew. They didn't know that Jesus knew. And so they were looking at the waves. They were looking at the boat filling up. And they saw Jesus sleeping. And they thought, we're doomed. Again, many years ago. So Jesus replies, why are you afraid? And, and you know, the Bible does not explain this. Many times when Jesus talks in parables, a little later it says, here's what I meant when I gave this parable. He doesn't do that here. And of course, we theologians come up with all these different thoughts about what might happen. So here's, here's three things that could have meant. Number one, some think he was saying that they should have called him sooner. Why didn't you wake me up faster, man? I could have got you out of here with all this water, not in the boat. I mean, there are people who think that. Like, Jesus, I need you now. Well, why didn't you call me soon? Well, I needed you less then than I do now. Right? Don't we need Jesus all the time? I mean, really, don't we need him all the time? Can we really say, I don't need you now, Jesus. Come back later. I mean, we can say it, but what happens? I was talking with someone about how you can ask whatever you want, but you have to live with consequences. And if you don't like the consequences, you have to change what you're asking for. And, and that kind of applies here. Uh, why didn't you call me sooner? Well, didn't think I needed you sooner. I thought we could handle it by ourselves. We can't handle life without Jesus. We just can't do it. And, and so I'm not sure if that was it or not. Some say he was saying they didn't have enough faith. <clears throat> And that they should have rebuked the winds and the waves themselves. Right? I mean, we 
have a tendency to try and do that. No, we, we try and stand up and, but at, in this case, I don't think that's the case because when the winds and waves stalled, they were amazed. And I think either Matthew or Luke says they were terrified. They were terrified because Jesus was able to, with one word, stop the threat. And you know, he's still able to do that, by the way. Um, but we have this thing about we don't have enough faith. Well, how much faith do you need? A mustard seed. A measure, because God's given everyone a measure of faith. How much faith do you need to trust in God? And yet, we try and bail the boat on our own instead of trusting that Jesus is with us, even if he's asleep. He's with us. He may not answer the way we think he should, but he's with us. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is always with us. Some say that they should have relaxed because he was with them and they had nothing to fear. That's something we have to learn. It really is. Because we have this tendency to think we know how life should go. And when it goes a different way, it's hard to trust God. Have you ever known anybody who isn't walking with the Lord who blames God for bad things that happen to them? <clears throat> Wouldn't you say it's because they don't know the real Jesus? I, I know personally that the Jesus I taught a long time ago was not the Jesus I know now. And I know Gary mentioned a lot. He said, I wish I could destroy a lot of my sermons from 20 years ago because it's totally different. You know, the more we draw close to Jesus and the more he reveals himself to us, the more amazing he becomes. The more we realize he's not up there waiting to zap us with a lightning bolt. He's there to walk us through our trials and to be with us. Right? And, and it's true that we should have nothing to fear because he's in the boat with us. And yet, we do. Which takes me back to the faith. You know, that faith. How much do you really, really trust him to be in a situation that you're not comfortable in? And he wants us to be able to walk away knowing that he is with you. I'm doing very well. So I want you to think about Jesus being in the boat. Are you okay with what Jesus is doing in your boat right now? Let me ask you, do you know what Jesus is doing in your boat right now? The disciples knew he was sleeping, but he was with them. 
And in the uh, other, in John, when after he fed the 5,000, the disciples saw him coming. And I think somebody mentioned that, that Peter had to get out of the water before the waves subsided. I think it was Chris in his prayer. The waves were still blowing when Peter got out of the water. And then Peter turned his eyes on the waves and started to sink. As long as he was on Jesus, he was walking. Do you know where Jesus is? Do you know what he's doing? Do you know that he's not going anywhere? I think that we need to understand that he's not going anywhere. You know, while I was thinking what to, what to talk about this morning, um, I, I happened across the scripture in Acts 2, where Peter is giving his sermon to all these 3,000 people who are come to the day of Pentecost because they're seeing the tongues and hearing the tongues and hearing the wind, and they're going, what's going on? Peter gives this message, and he, he says that you guys crucified Christ. And the Bible says they were cut to the heart and said, what shall we do? And Peter said, he said, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I mentioned this to Terry this morning. I looked at that, and I thought, well, you know, all my life, all my Christian life, I've associated be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus with water baptism. And there's the two arguments for water baptism. There's baptism in the name of Jesus, and there's baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and there are reasons for both. And just that was my entire understanding of this verse. But then I got to looking at it, and where it says repent, and be baptized. That word baptized means submerged. Right? For the forgiveness of your sins in the name of Jesus. And I thought, God wants us to be baptized or submerged in the name of Jesus. So that Jesus is completely engulfing us. And then when Jesus completely engulfs us, we get the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes inside us. Isn't that great? Has nothing to do with water. Has to do with total surrender to Jesus and total submission to his name. And that's what he is challenging us to do today, I believe, in the name of Jesus. When we fully allow him to surround us, this Holy Spirit will come and be with us Always. We won't have to ask Jesus, where are you? We won't have to ask Holy Spirit, why aren't you here? Because he's here. He's surrounded. And, and wherever Jesus is and wherever his presence is, that's where I want to be. So sleep on, Jesus. We will rest in the knowledge of your presence. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that even when we don't understand what's going on, you're in the boat with us. Even when you're not helping us bail the water out, Jesus, you're with us. And, and we know, or should know, that as long as you're with us, you're in control, that you know what's going to happen, and, and you're not going to be caught off guard. And Father, your purpose for our lives will be completed as we allow you control of our lives. As we say, Jesus, save us, instead of, why didn't you do this? 
Help me, Lord, to see what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to say now? Where do you want me to go now? And allow you into that part of our lives that we might fully walk with you. I pray, Lord, that uh, we would never presume to know what you want to do, but we would always seek your will. And I thank you, Lord, for this day, uh, hard as it is. I thank you for the ability to uh, share with one another, to uh, weep with one another, to rejoice with one another, and to honor the man of God who made Christian fellowship what it is today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, If anyone needs prayer, feel free to come up. I would be happy to pray with you. Um, Otherwise, go in the grace of God, and uh, we will see you tonight at 630.